0: what i want to talk about in this live video is tapping into god's abundance and god's limitless invisible supply most of us are probably going through some sense of lack with what's going on in the world in some area of our life and so when lack shows up in our circumstances what can we do we can tap into some level of invisible supply so that's what we're going to be talking about. I want to thank everybody for joining me. Hope everybody's doing good out there. Hope that uh, you're connecting with people. I was thinking about how wonderful uh, social media is and how crazy crazy it is that we can do this Facebook live thing together and uh, how much that has been really, really helpful to me to connect with people uh, and also to listen to people. And uh, I enjoy even some of those spontaneous Facebook live things that people do where they're just being silly or goofy um, can definitely brighten our day. So imagine if we were going through this without social media, right? <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about, uh, it's good to see everybody jumping on. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, tapping into abundance and tapping into invisible supply and uh, how this works in our life and one of the things that I want to do is build on what I talked about last week, which had to do with, let me adjust my camera here, <laughs> build on what I was talking about last week, which had to do with uh shifting from the charismatic world to the, uh, I don't know what we call, what to call what I am anymore. Somebody asked me uh, if I was a identified as a Christian, and uh, I really honestly didn't know how to answer that? So I hope that's not offensive to people, but I never really liked labels anyway. But one of the things I've been doing with my time and using this time to do is to go back through my life and just remember all the synchronicities, answers to prayer, and just downright supernatural things that have happened throughout my life and try to just remember those and think about the principles that made those things work. And separating that from some of the doctrine and dogma that I can no longer accept because it's not reality. It's just not true. Uh, a lot of the dogma and doctrine that I believe didn't, uh, you know, I thought came from the Bible, but doesn't hold up to good b- biblical scrutiny. A lot of it is, uh, doesn't hold up to good philosophy. And a lot of it just is, uh, really lousy co- common sense. <laughs> and yet, you, if you were like, like me, you have these experiences with the spirit, uh, experiences I talked a little bit about last week, week visions, trances, synchronicities, answers to prayer, miracles, healings, uh, divine knowledge, all this stuff, and where do you fit this, how do you fit this without uh, attaching it to your dogma, or where do you fit it when you let go of your dogma? Because back then, we thought it was God confirming our dogma. Like God showing everybody that we were right and they were wrong and they needed to change and come along with us. And I no longer accept that as tenable at all uh or as believable. In fact, I'm embarrassed to think that I ever w- walked through that. So before we start talking about getting into or, or or as we start talking about, let me put it that way. As we start talking about tapping into invisible supplies of abundance, uh and as we think about the process that many of us have gone through, letting go of old beliefs, old doctrines, old dogmas that don't serve us anymore, things that, you know, we're just proven wrong or don't make sense to us anymore. Excuse me. And one of the things that we have to realize, one of the things that has to change is, is at a fundamental level, fundamentally, things that have to change or have changed for me, they don't have to change, but uh, in order, I think, to tap effectively into supply and get a level of freedom and peace, we have to fundamentally deconstruct our image of God, our understanding of God, our understanding of who God is. And then when we deconstruct our understanding of who or what God is, then we begin to have to deconstruct our understanding of the world. Because maybe the world isn't like we were told. And once we deconstruct our understanding of the world, then we have to deconstruct our understanding of our place in the world. And so ultimately, it comes down to a deconstruction of our identity in a lot of ways. And so just in thinking about this, you have to remember that the Bible, you know, we take our, our patterns in the Western culture, predominantly in America, for sure. The dominant religion in America, the dominant level of spiritual thinking in America and in the West I know I'm I'm speaking to people that aren't just Americans, but in the West, as well as what's been exported in other parts of the world, our thinking about God is structured from the scriptures. And we have to remember that the scriptures were an ancient book. They weren't speaking in the same categories. They weren't able to speak with the same terms or the same metaphors that we think in today. And one of the primary things with that is is this idea of God being king, God being judge, God sitting on a throne. If you were to have the opportunity to compare Jehovah or the God of the, what we call God of the Old Testament, if you were to compare the conceptualization of Yahweh or Jehovah with other ancient gods and ancient myths and ancient literatures, you would find that they have very similar characteristics. They act in some very similar ways. In fact, some of the passages that we have in our old, what we call the Old Testament scriptures reflect very, very closely and mirror, match very closely with older, more ancient passages from other cultures whose gods have died off that we would never take seriously as the Word of God. And so for me, It's this whole idea of God God being other than and God being outside of and separate from us that is the big thing that begins to cave. And when you begin to consider that maybe maybe God is not other than or separate than in the way that we thought, then you have to begin to look at some of the metaphors or some of the examples, some of the ways that people talked about God in the Old Testament. Like, is he this sort of king in the sky, that's sitting in the heavens somewhere, that's surveying the heavens from a throne, is there a sword coming out of his mouth? Is, is he going to come at his second coming riding horses and chariots with swords? And is Armageddon going to be fought with swords if you take a futurist interpretation of the book of Revelation? Because, you know, they didn't have tanks, they didn't have smart bombs, they didn't have any conceptualization of that stuff. So, you know, if it were to happen today, maybe Jesus would be coming out of heaven. If it was written today, uh, driving a tank or something with the armies of heaven. I, I think you get the point. They, they were limited by their ancient construct, their culture, their ancient worldviews, just like we're limited. By our constructs and that are, are given to us in our culture. And one of the constructs that are given to us are ancient, and this, this idea that God's on the throne. So, I want to invite you to just think about the idea that maybe that doesn't exist. Maybe that's a metaphor. Maybe that's a map. And maybe we've confused... The map with the territory again maybe we've made the metaphor the thing maybe we've made the symbol or the sign the thing that's pointing to a deeper reality the thing itself and so one of the things that that I've had to deconstruct and let go of is that idea of God is the old man in the sky the old king or judge in the sky and I've had to and that's really freeing in a lot of ways because you know, he's not this giant Santa Claus that's up there trying to figure out if we're naughty or nice and trying to keep track of who's doing what. and It has some magic formula whereby he's going to do something for you. And that's the other thing that really sets us free and, and I think really needs to come down. If you really want to tap into the supernatural, you really want to tap in and unfold your potential spiritually and as a human being, you really want to be able to tap into those invisible supplies of abundance, healing, miracles, all those things then you really got to let go of this idea that you have to convince God to do something for you. You have to completely let go of your idea of what prayer is. Because, again, if you have this guy on a throne who's governing the universe, he's he's also taking prayer requests, he's also taking petitions, like a king would, like an ancient king would, and then his will is sovereign law throughout the kingdom. And so if we think this being is up there in the sky and his will is sovereign law in the universe, then we spend our time trying to get this God to do something for us, to convince this God that we're in a bad way and we really need some help help down here, to try to find the right formula for prayer so that we can somehow twist God's arm or convince God it's a good idea. idea. And you'll see this in what the church calls intercession. You know, it cracks me up. Like, like they talk about the the mercy of God is past finding out. The love of God is so deep. It's so wonderful. But somehow we're more merciful than God because God wants to send judgment, wants to send a plague. God's pissed off because you're not being obedient. You're not following the rules and you're not conforming. And so, So, you know, or God's going to send them all to hell when they die because they didn't believe in a historical event. And so we have to beg and plead, you know, God be merciful, God send revival, God send your rain, God, God bring this stuff down to us. And so really what we're doing then without realizing it, although it is very self-evident when you step back and look at it, we are exalting our righteousness and our goodness and our mercy above God's. We're saying we're more loving, we're more merciful, we love these people more, more than, than you do God. And, uh, so, you know, And and somehow we're standing in the gap, you know, we're, (laughs) I mean, it's so silly. How How did our minds get so twisted and distorted by this stuff? And yet we still feel the need. We still have an internal loyalty contract to some of it. Yeah, Vanessa says says, uh, intercession intercession wore me out. Me too. I mean, completely wore me out. And so somehow we have these inner loyalty contracts to these things that really make no sense. And so then let's talk about the will of God. So if we're going to get into invisible supply, if we're going to have miracles operating or healings or synchronicities, uh, then we've got to convince this God to do it for us because it's got to be God's will. And this leads to, the problem is this puts us completely at effect. We're at the effect of our circumstances already or we wouldn't be praying. We're at the effect of lack. We're at the effect of... uh, worldwide shutdown or a worldwide pandemic, we're, we're at the effect of our medical bills and our medical system. We're at the effect of uh, certain businesses are considered essential, but my occupation isn't considered essential. Certain people are uh, allowed to congregate together, but uh, other groups aren't. So this group's able to make a living and this group isn't Anyway, you get the point. We're we're at the effect. We got laid off. Our hours got cut. We got furloughed. So that puts me at the effect. I'm not the cause of that. I didn't have anything to do with that. And so I'm at effect. And so now I need something. So, so I've got to figure out what is the will of God. So now figuring out the will of God puts me at the effect of God because I'm, my will doesn't matter. My will is not taken into consideration. It's 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 God's will that counts. This supreme God, this this oppressive God, this God that sits on the throne. And so I I have to twist his arm or get him, or you know what I'm saying, I keep repeating myself, but i got to try to figure out, Uh, is this the will of God? So I have job opportunities, and so instead of looking down and rationally looking at my job opportunities, feeling in my heart, is this a job that I want? Let's say, you know, I, I finally do get offered a job. This is how we think, or used to think, and... Uh, you know, is this job a good fit for me? Are the hours good? Is the money good? Is it something I'm going to enjoy working? Is, is the culture in the organization good? And then there's this job over here. And then we just like, well, which one is the will of God? Or maybe we don't get a job and we think, well, this isn't the will of God. must not be the will of God for me to get it. So we spend all this time trying to figure out what's the will of God puts us at effect. We're at the effect of whatever the will of God is. And then we're trying to figure it out or we read the circumstances as as the will of god as though he's somehow behind it and then we're at the effect of well Well, i guess this just wasn't the will of god for me and so it creates this inertia and herein lies the problem because if i'm right if if we We are all if we all have the divine within us if we all have the divine spark within us if we have uh, that then we have the potential to move mountains, if we have the potential to create and work miracles and heal and, and and create synchronicities for ourselves, then we gotta realize that the cause lies within us. If if God is within us, not other than us, us. then we are the cause. But as long as God is outside of us, we're the effect now. So here's the problem. So if that's an illusion, if it's an illusion, if there is no God as king sitting on the throne like we thought, if there is no God that sits up there and somehow arbitrarily decides, this one gets healed, this one doesn't get healed, this one had enough faith, this one didn't need faith, this one it was just assigned to, this one I'm blessing, this one's a baby Christian, but this one's a mature Christian, and doing all those calculations and making all those decisions, if that's all an illusion that we buy into, And if in reality we have far more power and potential and ability than we ever thought we possibly could have, but we don't activate it because it's within us and we have to put ourselves a cause, and so we buy these lies that lull us to sleep, that put us into this hypnotic trance, that prevent us from igniting the power of our own divine nature, of our own divinity. And if that's true, then we have to be able to make that shift. And so I want to talk about that. I want to talk about making that shift and tapping into abundance. Now, I am I'm going to bring this down. Well, let's not do that yet. I wanna wanna talk um, I want to talk about this. So so what if God is more complex than that? What if this thing that we call God is more complex than that. And what if the New Testament, particularly John's gospel points to that? So in the beginning was the word, the logos. Uh, in the in the RK, in the original pattern, um, that's what that word beginning is. In in the RK was the logos, and the logos was with God and the logos was God. And all things were made by this logos and without this logos nothing was made that has been made and in all things were is life and the life is the light of man that's the that's, that's the earliest translation that we have cyril of jerusalem in his commentary he doesn't say in him was life and the life was the light of all men in the fourth century the way he quotes john he quotes him as saying in all things is the life of god and the life is the light and so to, to make to put that in modern vernacular without going into all the greek philosophical understandings of arche and logos and all that stuff Basically, what he's describing is a consciousness that is the mind of God that is universally the source of all things and is universally inhabiting all things and is universally light or consciousness in all things. Mm -hmm. And he says, that's God. God. (laughs) That's God. That's what was made flesh and dwelt within us. Because if, if you have a good study Bible, when you look in John 1.14, it says, uh, he dwelt among us. But if you look at the footnote, it'll have the word within. And when you look at that Greek word, it's used almost everywhere in the scripture. I did this a couple of years ago. Everywhere in the scripture, it's it's in or within. So basically, if the mind of God, the consciousness of God, the word, the logos, this Net of energy, if you will, that inhabits all things, surrounds all things and supports all things. Is an intelligent consciousness. It is a Logos. It is a mind. That includes you. You came from that same source. You have that same Logos inside inside of you. And so the Gospel, the writer of the Gospel of John is saying the word, the Logos became flesh and dwelt within us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In other words, the, the, the only begotten of the Father being, there's, there's only this. There's only Logos. So, at one sense, reality is material, the way that we experience it. It is material, it is solid, it is fixed. On another plane of reality, everything that is material exists as life and light and consciousness. Everything came out of this Logos, this mind. Everything Everything is being supported by it. Don't make it human. Don't make it like you. It's not like us in the sense that we sit there with our ideas and our wills and our choices and, and arbitrarily do this this so so you could think about it this way there is a light power or a life power or a life energy that permeates all things including you that you are intimately entwined with and part of and come from and you can think about it as energy although that's a that's really a metaphor it's not energy but it is controlled or influenced By thoughts and feelings and mind and states of consciousness. So here's another, here's another one for you. It's not, we are not other than God. We are not duplicates of God. We are not just stamps in God's image as human beings. We are indwelt by the Logos. We are a piece of God, for lack of a better way to say it. A particle of God that has inhabited the flesh And I'm not sure what the end game of human human evolution is, but I do believe with all my heart, I have such a strong witness to this, and almost all the world mystical teachings in some form or another teach this. We are here to learn how to be God. We are here to learn how to activate those divine potentials if you want to. You don't have to believe this. You don't have to swallow this. But if you want to, to activate these things... And learn how to move in the currents of the divine mind so that your will is done as a God on earth as it is in heaven. And I know that sounds like horrible heresy. (laughs) I know that sounds horrible. But let's think about this a little bit. So, um, Basically everything that I can look at that ever really manifested consistently for me in my life, even though I had these other older things hanging on to me in my thinking, ultimately it came down to the operation of faith. It came down to you know a lot of things I learned in the faith movement. Um, you know the operation of faith that that the mountain would respond to me, that I have the faith of God inside of me, and the mountain will respond to me so if this is true here's what i want you to think about there is is an invisible supply in the logos that you can tap into with your mind that you can tap into with your emotions that you can tap into with your imagination and influence those I'm, i'm gonna call them currents you'll see why in a minute you can influence those currents to set up synchronistic. Situations in your life that can cause the supply that you need to show up in the material realm. That you can actually do something with your mind and with your emotions that will influence the flow of money in your life. So let's talk about money. Or more appropriately, let's talk about currency. Currency. Think about currents. That's why I'm bringing it up. There is uh, such a a broad, this is such a broad subject. Let's do it this way. There is nothing in your life, nothing in my life that any of us can do without money. (sighs) Nothing, no activity that we can do without money because you have to eat, you have to drink even if I was going to go for a walk with my son, you know, that's free. I can just go out for free and go for a walk. But I got to put clothes on, I got to put shoes on. I got to make sure he's fed and taken care of. I've got to be fed and taken care of and everything in our life is intricately entwined with money. Now, here's a place where religion also disempowers us because it teaches us not to love money. And I understand the the insinuation or I think, you know what? The scripture is saying there about the love of money is the root of all evils but you cannot also have an emotional detachment with money (laughs) so i want you to quit thinking about money as just dollars and cents actually money is really just numbers you know there's all this craziness and i I don't mean to offend anybody but i've been around at this for a while and i remember in the 70s you know they're going to take your money away and everybody was afraid of that, and by that they meant your dollars and cents, your, the actual bills. And in a sense, they did. Uh, in a sense, we're already in a cashless society. I almost seldom use cash. I don't get a paycheck. I get my money automatically deposited into my account. I don't pay my bills like I used to. They get a lot of them automatically withdrawn. I use my debit card for just about everything, or my credit card for just about everything. We shop online. So rather than this exchange of money like we used to think about, it's it's just numbers changing, numbers changing in my account, various different things. And then there's this exchange of things that are happening. And so I'm a part of this system that's being affected by things like the Federal Reserve and interest rates. That's being affected by uh, what's happening with uh, Fortune 500 companies in the stock market all kinds of stuff, prices of oil, all, all kinds of different things. Since we're not on the gold standard, um, you know, it's just currency. It's just a current or a movement of exchange and energy. I go to work and I, I give my energy and these numbers show up in my account and I use energy with the lights and with the Internet and numbers leave my account to pay the electric bill. There's, so so there's a current, there's a flow that's happening with money that is affecting, affecting me every single minute of my life. Impacting absolutely everything I do in my life. So what I want you to begin to think about is money on the invisible plane, not on the physical plane, not on the visible, not the numbers in your account, not what the numbers coming in or the numbers going out. I want you to think about it as an invisible flow of energy that an invisible flow of things that are changing hands. And And that it is part of this invisible, I want you to think about it as an invisible thing. And then if If I can use the invisible parts of me, my thoughts and my emotions to tap into that energy, relate relate with that energy, then how can I shift that energy or bend that energy or make that energy work for me on an invisible plane before it shows up on the physical plane? One of the things I thought about talking about just to trigger people was tithing. Uh, you know, I've always been big on tithing and I know that's bondage from the scriptures. I know it's misappropriation of scripture. I know that what we consider tithing today when people stand up and they preach and they teach and say, Hey, give your tithe, which tithe means 10%, give 10% of your income into the, uh, into the church. And then God's gonna bless you or sow a seed, give some money, and then God is gonna bless you. And I know that for most people that's not a reality. I know for most people they, they give their tithe and they struggle. Most people they give and they're, they, you know, it's not given back to them. They're not walking in abundance. But I will honestly say, that those principles worked very, very, very well for me, that it was not my experience that those things didn't work. But when I think back on it, I I look at it, it's because I had developed a lifestyle where I had changed my relationship with money, of which, for me, tithing was part of that, part of changing my relationship with money on an invisible level that gave me the power and the ability to influence it and cause it to come my way now it doesn't always show up like we think it's supposed to show up I'll give you a few examples like we think oh I gave and so some check supposed to show up in the mail or the boss is supposed to give me a raise we're looking for consistency we're looking for that consistent flow because the way we think about money we think about money based on what our parents taught us we think about money based on how much knowledge we have the financial systems and how it works But what's more important than what we think about money is what we feel about money. It's what we feel about money. How many of us can relate to buying something and getting that little bit of dopamine when we buy something and it just makes us feel better? It just makes us feel good. You know, so we get depressed and we go shopping and we buy ourselves something and so we feel better or we think we need to have some creature comfort and so we go out and spend it and so we feel better. Or we get blessed with a bonus or an, a raise or money does come from somewhere or some rich uncle dies somewhere and leaves us money and boy, we get, we get excited. Think about all the a, emotions that are constantly tied to money or all of a sudden we can't go to our, uh, uh, out as much because, uh, we, we're not bringing in as much money. We, we found out that our money got cut or we found out that we didn't get the raise or we didn't get the promotion. All of a sudden now, ugh. Or our, we watch our retirement go down when the stock market went down with things that were totally beyond our control. And so we go, ugh. And so what I, what I want you to begin to think about is you have an emotional relationship. with You have a relationship with money. It, it's no different than than having a relationship with a person. If you've lived with anybody, I mean, come on, I've been married 25 years. There were times that were up and times that were down, times that you felt good. Times you didn't feel good. Anybody you've had a long-term relationship with, there are times that you're excited to see them and happy to see with them, and there's times they get on your nerves. There's times they disappoint you. There's times you get mad. Yeah, there's times you want to cry. Uh, uh, so a big part of relationships with people is the emotional ups and downs and the emotional feelings, the emotional attachments that we have with it. And emotion is also energy emotion is actually communicating to the field that is the mind of God it is communicating to the logos it is communicating to what's what's connecting connecting this flow of of currency and stuff in your life and so one of the things that happened for me I didn't just start tithing and bam you know magical things just started happening Uh, tithing hurt (laughs) (laughs) tithing was scary I mean, the moment, the first time I gave 10%, I'm like, I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. Up comes my fear. Up comes my feelings of lack. Up comes uh, my greed. Up comes all, all these various different things. And I have to start examining all these buried subconscious emotions and feelings that I have about money that has been communicating to money that has been causing money to avoid me. <laughs> what about jealousy? What about envy? Oh, somebody else has a better car. Somebody else has a better house. Oh, they have a swimming pool. What about insecurity? You know, uh, it's so funny. My my sons. You know, I'm I'm by no means rich, but you know, my kids. It's tighter now. You know, so we can't do a lot of things. So now my kids are saying, "Well, Dad, when we're rich again, when you're rich again, can we do this?" And when you're rich, and I'm like, "Newsflash!" You know, I never was <laughs> by some standards. But uh, what about, you know, when other kids can get stuff and you can't provide stuff for your kids? Other kids can have things and you can't. That starts touching on your insecurity, starts touching on your identity, perhaps as a parent, as a provider. See how all this stuff affects us in really, really subtle ways at a very emotional level. What about selling your services, putting yourself out there? Some of you want to uh, do some things coaching, uh, but you're afraid to put yourself out there and charge for your services. Um Whatever. I mean, I hate asking for money, you know, like those of you that are around the church and whatever, you know, I never almost never do that. I hate doing that. Um, But sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes you, you have to do that. And so, but did you hear what I said? I hate doing that. So that hate is part of my relationship with money. So what I want you to think about is that you have a current, you have a thought flow, you have a thought feeling flow or a thought feeling current around and about provision and about money that you are contributing into the logos into this universal mind that then it is responding and setting things up for you based on what you're putting out. Now, if you don't believe me, then uh, if you need scripture, Luke six thirty eight, whatever it is, given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together. <laughs> men shall put into your bosom given to your bosom for with the measure you use it will be measured back to you and to you who have more will be given interestingly enough we kind of take that verse out of context when you put it back in its context jesus says do not judge and you will not be judged be merciful And you will receive mercy do not condemn and you will not be condemned give and it shall be given unto you so he's talking about the flow of energy the flow of mental and emotional energy that you are giving off and the way the environment is designed to respond and correspond and reflect back to you all that input that you're putting in how's that (laughs) So, we have to think about, at an emotional level, before money and abundance can show up, do we do enough to cultivate a relationship, an emotional relationship of abundance with money? A thought of abundance with money. What about your self-worth? Are you worthy? of this stuff. See, and this is where the God complex messes us up. By God complex, I mean the other God complex, because we've been told we're not worthy. We've been told money's evil. We've been told we should stay away from materialism. We've been told we shouldn't trust the desires of our heart. We've been told we shouldn't trust our impulses in our body. And we feel guilty. We feel guilty if we have and other people don't uh... we can have all kinds of stuff and we can think that so so now all this self-worth and all of this where do i fit and how is god relating to me and so now i'm asking god to give me money when i think that maybe he's afraid or i'm afraid i'm gonna make an idol out of whatever it is and so this is why christians sometimes have a harder time and are stuck in more poverty than people that never grew up with that crap because they realize maybe that it's okay to have this stuff or that they've got to go out and make it on their own they put themselves more at cause and they go out and and get her done <laughs> so I want to invite you to think about abundance by first cultivating emotions of abundance mindsets of abundance and that's one of the things that I worked really really hard at doing and this is where giving does help because giving pushes, just like I said, when giving or tithing, pushes that stuff to the surface so that you have to look at it and you have to deal with it. <laughs> it deals with your greed. Listen, if you have lack, if you have a belief about lack, about money, that there's not enough to go around, there's not enough for me and everybody else, uh, then when you start bringing in more, when you get to a greater level of abundance, You will slip from poverty mentality into greed mentality. And so one of the things that giving also does is it is a powerful declaration. If you're in the habit of giving, and this is what we did with tithing, just getting into the habit of giving 10%, giving 10%, giving 10%, giving 10%. 10%. We got into the habit of always consistently making the declaration, what I see." As numbers in my account is not all that I have nor is it all that will be it's making a strong declaration that money is a renewable resource and there's other ways to have more besides what the world has taught us and this is kind of where I'll finish a little bit well I don't know we'll just see (laughs) There's other ways to have for abundance, and I'm talking about financial abundance, to come to you besides working a second job or taking more streams of income. Now, certainly, if those things come your way you should, and you want to do them, go ahead and do them. But there's other ways. And if you believe you have to work for money to come to you, you're losing the game. One of the basic principles between the rich and the poor, the poor work for their money, the rich make their money work for them. Just let that sink in a little bit. <laughs> so if you believe, but see we have these beliefs, I have to work for money, I have to, uh, do all these different things for this stuff to work for me. And those beliefs keep us stuck, right? So again, this, when you're giving, when you're giving, you're declaring this is not all that there is. When you're giving, you're declaring, I'm not all that there is. My needs, wants, and desires are not the most important. In fact, if if you you can think about God is this this supplier. God is your supplier. God is putting a flow uh, of abundance into your life. And remember, you are that God. God, I know that sounds like heresy. Some of you that are just jumping on, please go back and watch the rest of this, because I laid all kinds of foundation (laughs) for this before I got here. (laughs) But there's this flow of uh, invisible abundance and support and supply that you cannot see yet, that has not shown up yet. Then you don't need to be greedy. You don't need to worry about lack. You can give. You You can help supply others. You can look at it this way. I am going to be a part of someone else's supply. I'm going to be part of that currency. I'm going to flow this into other people's lives. I'm going to flow this and channel this into other good causes. I'm going to flow this and channel this into whatever it is that you want to do. Because I believe there's an abundance, there's a flow of abundance that I am connected to, that I am influencing and creating and participating in through my own divine nature, which is not separate or other than that which we call God. It is simply an emanation or an aspect that has been manifested in this time-space reality for this period. And I can tap into that power, and I can influence. And so, that's why giving is so important. That's why Jesus said, "Given it shall be given unto you." That's why you know, and I know you don't you don't have to tithe. I'm not telling anybody to tithe, and I'm certainly not saying give to us. Uh, I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying to give to us, and you know everything's going to be great. I'm talking about attitudes. Att- I'm trying to help you get through this time. But for me. Tithing always worked. Giving always worked. So it didn't matter what, you know, whether the Bible, whether that was Old Covenant or New Covenant or whatever, I, I have no time for any of those arguments anymore or discussions. I know what's worked for me. me. And what's worked for me, maybe it may be something totally different that works for you. You have to find your own path. But uh, but it's been effective. Now, let me just share a, a few stories about the way that sort of abundance has worked. Many of you have heard this before, but when we bought our first church building, we'd been in existence for about a year. We we had a handful of people, we had hardly any money at all, and but we needed space, and so one of uh, my friends called up a realtor, and the realtor was looking around, and she called up and said, hey, there's this church building that's for sale, it's about 11 12,000 square feet, an old church building, those of you that were with us, you remember the church building on Adams, and I said, well, that would be great, you know, it was three, I don't remember the, the price, anyway, it doesn't matter, but. They said, uh, I said, that'd be great, but I don't think there's a bank that's going to loan us any money. And the realtor that called me said, well, my dad's president at such and such bank. Let me um, get a hold of him. So the next thing I know, I'm sitting with the mortgage agent. And I think our annual budget that year was about 70000 I think we brought in about sixty five, sixty nine thousand dollars $69,000 that first year. And <clears throat> she says, oh, you know, we could probably do this because our monthly was there to do the payments. But she said, you're going to have to come up with a $75,000 down payment. Do you think you can come up with a $75,000 down payment? We had no down payment. We had no money in the bank. But I, now this is where I rose above, I confidently, by faith, said yes, absolutely. Because I had cultivated this thing within me that said I'm not limited by what I see. I'm not limited by what I know as the laws of cause and effect that govern the flow of finances in my life. So So I made a strong declaration. The next day, uh, that was like on a Friday. That next Sunday, I stood up and I said, we're gonna buy this building publicly. I said, we're gonna buy this building and we're going to come up with $75,000. Now inside, I'm like, I have no idea how we're gonna be able to do this. So I contacted a few of my friends and I just said, "Pray pray with me, we have this opportunity. We need to come up with this amount of money. So the whole time I'm holding in my heart, I'm holding in my mind, this is going to work. We are going to have this. This is going to happen. That building is going to become ours. I'm seeing it as ours. I'm imagining it as ours. And I'm believing that I'm at cause. That my thoughts are influencing reality. That my thoughts and my feelings and my imaginations that I am sowing into the field is going to make this thing happen. So later on that week, I get a call from a friend from Texas, and he calls me up. He says, "I talked to the elders of our church. He was in a really prosperous area in Texas, a lot of oil, and um, um, just a lot of prosperity down there. Church had a lot of money. He says we're going to give you a gift, and you know he's going to blow my socks off, you know, with it. He says you need to sit down and you need to." Take a deep breath are you ready and then so i'm thinking he's going to give us fifty thousand dollars maybe give us the full 75. he says we decided we're going to give ten thousand dollars into your ministry that's the biggest seed we've sown in the ministry and all the time we've been in church and so part of me was like i didn't want to be ungrateful <laughs> but part of me is like yeah but i still got to come up with 65 but who knows where it's going to come from right because there's other sources so I said, yes, I'll take the $10,000. I kid you not, within a day or two, I get a call from the bank, and they said, you know, we were looking at the finances. We talked about it as a committee, and trying to make you come up with that much money is ridiculous. So we decided that we will only make you come up with $10,000. Is there any possible way that you can come up with $10,000? And so I'm like, uh, yeah, I can come up with $10,000. Now, was that just a coincidence? No. That was a synchronicity that was set up by the output. Not just me, but the other people in the church as well. But I can only speak for what I was doing. That was a synchronicity that was set up by the output that I was putting out. And so constantly I would I'd put out this output. I am favored. I have favor in business dealings. I have favor with God and man. Uh, good things come across my path. You know, really feel that. Don't just say it. Don't just declare it. But really feel Feel it really picture it in your mind really see it happening really see it coming in get the feeling of it and, and then don't get hung up on how it's going to happen that's the problem because when you get into how you get into cause and effect and you limit because the moment i start thinking about how i'm limiting myself to the house that i can come up with <laughs> and there are many hows there are many ways in which god can bring or this flow of divine abundance can come into your life i'll give you a few a couple other examples Real quick i remember something simple this is really really simple right Um uh, when uh you know when the distressed jeans look came out you know the jeans that are bleached and distressed and and have the holes in them and that kind of stuff and i really liked that look i, I thought it was cool so i wanted to get some so i i go into dillard's and i find the pairs that i want and i ask the guy the the guy working there if they're on sale And he takes them to register and rings them up and no, they're not on sale. And the manager was right there. The manager turned around and he looked at it and he said, looked at the jeans and he said, this is terrible. We can't sell this to you at full price. Look at how, look at the holes in these jeans. Look at, they're torn. Look at their bleach. How could we sell these to you at full price? This is ridiculous. And he, and he went in and overwrote the price and gave me a 25% discount. Now, did that just happen? Or is that reality mirroring back to me what I'm consistently putting out? You may say, well that's, that's no big deal, but listen, that's money that I saved and you add up enough of those no big deals over time and it's just the same as getting a big chunk of money coming in, coming into you. I remember when I had to wear a tie all the time, you know, I, I got into this thing, this flow, flow with ties where I would just, I gave away my favorite tie. And again, I felt, I felt it. I felt the pain. I had to work through the emotions of it. And I just wanted to practice these things. I wanted to practice these things. So I would start saying, okay, I'm not going to buy another tie. Ties are going to come to me. I would have people on the street. I would have people, I remember I had a coworker that I said, I like your tie. And he just took his tie off and gave it to me. And I'm like, why are you giving me this tie? I don't know. I just felt like giving it to you. I remember somebody had a bag full of ties that they brought me. Uh, it was just recently. I threw out. I had hundreds of ties, <laughs> but it was working out that flow. I've had cars given to me. I've had Bibles given to me, and it's not just because I was a preacher. Because I've had it happen when I wasn't a preacher or in ministry. It's and I and I did those things on purpose. Like I'm not going to buy an item. I'm going to see if I can make it show up without me doing it through normal means. By just focusing on it, concentrating on it, and acknowledging that it's coming to me and not worrying about how. And more often than not, it shows up. Now I'm going to tell you what doesn't work. What doesn't work is begging and pleading with this God in the sky trying to convince him that you need this thing. And hoping and praying and praying and hoping that it's just going to show up. Because because here, here's the other thing that we're doing. Think about this. I'm talking about having very positive emotions, being completely free from the fear of lack, being completely free emotionally from worrying about, am I going to use this money wrong if I get too much? If I get too much, is it going to is the prosperity going to destroy me? Is it going to become an idol for me? Am I worthy of this? What happens if there's not enough? I'm talking about being totally free from that, being able to see an realm of invisible abundance and supply, and feel the emotions that you are connected at all times and at all moments by invisible supply, by 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 support, by all this stuff around you, so that you're not worrying about money, you're not worrying about your life, you're not worrying about tomorrow, but you are free and experiencing abundance before it shows up, and you're putting that kind of emotional and mental output out there. You don't even have to pray. You don't even have to make declarations. You're already communicating that and people are going to pick up up on that and you're going to be a giver and it's going to be given back to you. But see all that stuff's happening at the mental and emotional level. It's not even spiritual. It really is mind power. (laughs) It really is mind and emotional power that is part of the mind of God or part of the logos. So, so when you're putting that out, but now let's do the flip side of that. You're praying. You're worried. Oh, God, where's where it going to come from? Oh, God, please help us. Oh, God, uh, I'm not going to have enough. And you may be even saying, my God supplies all my need according to his riches and glory. I have abundance and no lack. Money comes to me in abundance, whatever, whatever kind of stuff that we were doing back in the day. But you're afraid. You're worried. You're coming from thoughts of lack in your mind. You're seeing yourself with lack and praying, oh, God, don't let that happen. In your mind, you're seeing worst case scenarios and you're feeling worst case scenarios. You're saying, oh God, don't let that happen. That's actually where you're communicating with the mind of God. What you're saying, the words you're saying, the way you're praying, even if you say, in the name of Jesus, by "by the power of the blood, whatever. What you're really communicating is at that emotional level, that current, back to current, that current of emotion and output that's coming from you, that you're inputting, into that world and into that realm into your relationship with money the way that you're relating to money at an emotional level is going to determine the way that money responds to you so if you're coming from that fear you're coming from that lack you're coming from that worry that's what you're putting out and so more than likely with the measure you use it's going to be measured back to you and then things aren't going to work and guess what that creates a loop i knew it wasn't going to work i knew it wouldn't happen i knew it was going to be like this this stuff always happens to me And so then the next time you have an opportunity to worry, guess what? You're running another reel-to-reel. You're thinking about all the times it didn't work. You're thinking about all the times it didn't happen. Thinking about all the struggle, all the pain, all that stuff coming to the surface. All All that stuff coming to the surface. And that's what you're putting out. And so then you take your your thought and you focus it on the money. And you're directing that current straight at the money. And it's your messed up relationship with money that's going to cause you to stay in lack. So I hope this was helpful for you. I hope this made sense to you. Uh, Again, just to make it simple, start noticing what you feel. What do you feel? Uh, You know, what do you feel? What do you feel about giving? What do you feel about sacrificially giving? What do you feel about there not being enough tomorrow? Start addressing and dealing with those fears and those concerns and those thoughts. Start examining them start looking at yourself and writing them down and then thinking what What do i need to what do i believe what do i have to hold in my mind that causes me to feel these things well i have to hold black so i'm going to put the opposite in my mind i'm going to start thinking about abundance i'm going to start making affirmations of abundance i'm going to start deliberately making pictures in my mind of abundance until you can raise the feeling feeling to that place and once you raise the feeling to that place then take time to meditate, not just to zen out or have some spiritual experience, but to build up your relationship with, with that invisible supply of currency in the invisible that we call money. All right. I'm going to be reading the comments and stuff. Thank you for commenting. Uh, since we are talking about giving and money, if you want to, this is in no way am I saying you need to. But uh, I need to make sure that, you know, you have opportunities to give into our ministry. If you like what we're doing, if you'd like to see us expand what we're doing and continue what we're doing, then we would very, very much appreciate any contributions. So I did put a link to our donation button on the website through PayPal uh, up there. So if you want to contribute to what we're doing, that would be awesome. And uh, we will uh, contribute our energy back in terms of just sending blessings and light and love and uh abundant thoughts to you uh for your contributions so anyway thanks everybody for watching those of you that are watching live those of you that will watch later if you have questions i know last week i wasn't able to get to all the comments which disappointed me I had a super super busy week last week i wasn't able to do any other lives like i wanted to either but i did get some youtube videos done so if you scroll my page you can see some of the youtube videos that i've done you can subscribe to my youtube t- uh, youtube page that would be cool too uh, trying to do more stuff online, trying to do stuff that's a little bit more practical. I am teaching a class uh, starting Monday night at uh, 7 p.m. Uh, Mountain Daylight Time, a live class on Zoom. Uh, you can go to the link. It's called Wells of Living Water. You can go to the link, which also I'll share on my page and sign up for that. Or you can message me if you want to take it. it, is, it is, it's $150. And I will be sharing some things along these lines of what I shared today, uh, but be going more in-depth in it. It's not going to be super in-depth because it's three three classes, but it's going to give you an idea on how you can begin to manifest and tap into supernatural knowledge, uh, supernatural ability to create synchronicities, um, and, and tapping into the power of God that is you. So anyway, God bless you. I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, shalom. Namaste. Have a great rest of your day. Have a great week. And I love you guys, all of you. So good to see many of you on here. Sorry I didn't interact with you as much today. Um, but I wanted to get that out. I hope it's helpful for you. I hope it gives you some encouragement and a strategy uh, to go with in case you are facing some lack and some difficult circumstances right now. So anyway, have a very, very blessed day, evening, night, whatever time you're watching this. Thanks.